when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, after getting over the shock of it, I told my husband, and I guess after consideration, he decided that uh, he, w he was going to divorce me. This channel is about patients sharing their stories and healing. Oftentimes, people are frustrated with not finding the right answers when it comes to their health. So I created this channel so that I can share patient stories with you. And maybe it'll resonate with someone. Maybe you'll learn the path that they took to healing. And this might help you in your own journeys. Welcome to Healing Journeys. I'm Dr. Jyoti Patel. I'm here today with Sammy Jack, one of my favorite patients. She's been with me for 18 years. And through those years, she's had a lot of health challenges. And the thing I admire about Sammy is that she has the resilience and the will to live. And she has stayed optimistic through all the dark times in her life. And she's here to tell us about that and how she did it. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Dr. Patel, and for allowing me to share with other women about life and how it kind of just keeps on going. And the better you look at it, the longer it goes. That's it. So I want to start by asking you the questions um, that led to your diseases. So tell me, Sammy, so, mean, when was the last time you felt amazing and when did your life change? Well, I felt amazing most of my first 52 years of my life, you know, little sicknesses here and there. And uh, I had married and moved to Fountain Hills and, and gotten off the road selling jewelry. And it was making a home with my daughter. And at the age of 52, and uh, I was went to the doctor for my regular checkup and lo and behold, I came back, they called me back with a stage three diagnosis of breast cancer. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, after getting over the shock of it, I told my husband. And I guess after consideration, he decided that uh, that wasn't, he was going to divorce me. And that was a perfect time to pick because I had to now go through months of chemo and months of radiation. And it takes a good year, two years to get all the way well, a good year to That's get through all time. your treatments. It is. So what did you have to do during that time? The perfect storm. You're starting a business. You're raising a small child. You know, you get diagnosed with a serious life-threatening illness like breast cancer. Your husband decides to leave you. You have to move out. You have to go through two years of therapy with radiation and chemo and all the side effects. What did it take for you to go from where you were to where you needed to be? Uh, I think the, the pride of wanting to keep my, my home operating, my business, and for my daughter to see that life is not over with a, something like this. I wanted to set an example and always have to my daughter and other people that you know you can pull through and she pulled through for me and every time I felt like getting low I think of what that 17 year old gave up to actually help me along because we had moved from home and we started out with a place that we had blow up beds for a while and uh, but we did get beds and and get settled in a little bit but it was a hard time for us mm. and a very big bonding time, I, I would say, for Stephanie and I. Uh, I don't think she had time to be a bad teenager, so she just started out pretty good. So. Well, she's always been a pretty good person. Yeah. So obviously you had a hand in 
helping her get that way. And what I love about what you said is that even when we're going through the hardest times, there are people that show up in our life. And these people are, and it could be animals, it could be people, it could be children. Uh, they can show up to rally to help us through something difficult. So we're never alone. It's just a matter of looking at it in the perspective that you did. And you're not alone, and, and because you're not, it's it's so grateful to those other people. And you should always think of that when a friend or someone in need needs that, mm. that hand out that when they feel bad. Mm. And it always will make you feel better. And that's really, so that's such an important point. So oftentimes when people have friends, families, or loved ones that get diagnosed with breast cancer, and this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we disconnect. We don't know what to say to them. We don't call them. We, we you know, become invisible to these people that are struggling. We think it's because we don't want to connect. We don't know what to say. The best thing you can do to somebody who's going through tough times is to reach out, just to let them know they're not alone, let them know that they're being thought of, see if you can do anything to help them. And that's how we are as, you know, as a human race. We're here to support each other. So if you know anybody that's you know, suffering from breast cancer or is a breast cancer survivor, make sure you reach out to them this month and let them know that they're loved. Yeah, I have a couple of friends right now that have friends that were just diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this brings to mind a lot of the conversations I want to have with them because it, it draws, it, you have to draw on that good part and you have to think and feel well, even when you feel bad. Mm. And think of the disappointment you would be to your child, your friend, the ones that tried to help you if you don't try your very best to do something mm. good. So it's... That's really good advice, Sammy. It is. You know, I think a lot of times when we get sick, when we get something as serious as breast cancer, the first thing we do is we go into fight, flight, freeze, and we go into the stages of grief. We start to get angry about the diagnosis and the people around us. We start to bargain, like, if I'd only done this first, then I could have had that next. And then there's a tremendous amount of sadness. And it's okay to grieve. But what Sammy just said was so powerful. It's so important for your body to be positive, to think about the reasons why you need to live, um, think about the people in your life, and put 100% in so that your body can heal. So, Sammy, what are some of the things that you had to do to be getting your, your mind in the right mindset to allow it to heal? One of the silliest things I, I always did, and I still do to this day, is that before I go to any kind of surgery, I paint my toes pink and put smiley faces on them because I want this surgeon to get a giggle or a laugh, and I think of the funniest thing that's happened in my life, and I always want to think about that before I ever go into a surgery. Do you ever want to share that funniest thing? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, some of them maybe I shouldn't share. You know, <laughs> yeah, I have to be real careful with what uh, yeah. stories that I make up that I share. <laughs> So it's but, so, so humor is such an important part, right? Humor, humor will really, really help you, and it helps your friends. Uh, it helps them if you help them talk to you, mm. because people don't know what to say to you other than how are you feeling, and you get tired of being identified with how are you feeling or your disease. You know your disease. You know, I mean, that's all you have, and so you need to, to just be normal with your friends. Such good advice. Yeah. So make sure you connect with your friends. Make sure you don't um, only talk about their illness. Talk about other things that are going on in your life. 
focus on other things that they might be interested in. Um, making the cancer a small part and making life the bigger part of the picture. And that's important for people going through cancer treatment too, is sometimes we hyperfixate on the cancer, the treatment, the doctors, the visits, and then we lose sight of our children or our grandchildren or our friends, family, parents, siblings, and we just hyper-focus on our illness. So it's so important to put it into perspective and still live our life Amen. when we're doing with yes, the treatment. Yes, it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That would be my advice on how I've gotten through all my breast cancer surgeries. Yeah. And actually, it becomes easier as time goes on. And uh, I always give that advice to people going to surgery, you know, clap your hands, smile, laugh. Get your surgeon happy, too. Yeah. That's always a good one. Yeah. You know, give him something to giggle about. You always want to make sure the surgeon operates on you first thing in the morning, not before lunch. Yes. Because that's the worst time. <laughs> or not Friday afternoon when he wants to go. Friday afternoon is a no-go. Uh -oh. well, that's a no-go. You know, there was actually a study, and it's so funny that you bring this up about laughter and how we feel before surgery. There was a study done by Kaiser Permanente in California where they took patients before surgery, and half of them did a guided imagery, which is where they listened to a soundtrack where they were doing something very pleasing and relaxing, and they found that the patients that did the guided imagery before surgery had fewer complications, less blood loss, shorter hospital stay, and overall decreased cost. Unfortunately, Kaiser was more interested in the last bit, and that's why I made it into a study. But <laughs> how wonderful for us that what Sammy just said about painting her toenails with smiley faces and making the surgeon giggle and making herself feel good had a positive impact on her, you know, her surgical outcome. So it is a real thing. So. It, to me it is. It just makes it much better. It takes less energy to smile than it does to frown. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's good. That's good. So then you went through all this stuff. Is there anything else about the recovery process from your surgeries or the disappointments that you had from some of your surgeries that you want to share with the audience? Gosh, which surgeries are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in general, sometimes things don't turn out the way you hope. No, no. I have not had any uh, recurrence of my breast cancer. Uh, I did have a lot of trouble with the implants and right. had them replaced several times. And I had a the, the doctor that did my original uh, per-strap Surgery. surgeries, uh, he retired or I thought he had retired uh, after I'd had my breast cancer and I went to him for a few years and then they asked me to pick up my medical records and because he was retiring mm. so I did and I found another doctor well the years go by and this uh, I still were have, was having a lot of problems with my implants and especially the radiated side mm -hmm. so all lo and behold I, I looked at Phoenix magazine there's the doctor of many years ago smiling on there and he's back in business and I'm like oh my gosh I know who can fix me take these out and get me doing better now and so I went to this doctor which I won't give his name which I'd love to but uh, <laughs> so anyway uh, he told me what I wanted to hear uh, not the other doctor had told me that he thought my skin was too compromised from the radiation to do any more surgery or put any more implants in. Mm -hmm. Well, this doctor, okay, I completely know it'll be perfect and it'll be beautiful. So I was so excited about that and I got was going for my, my new 
new implants and like new look again. I was going to feel so much better. Well, it took me what a week or so before they first take the bandages off. And I said, well, how come it's just flat? <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, it's just the bandages, you know. Well, he absolutely ruined me. He could not get the surgery, the sutures to heal on my, on my radiated side. I went back a couple of times. He gave me penicillin, which I'm allergic to. And anyway, I got so in, so infected in the side that mm. my boob would radiate the sun. Mm. And uh, I felt I was going to be going out, out pretty soon. So I went to my own doctor. Actually, I think it was Dr. Patel. And she went, oh, my God. And so I ended up having to take those implants out. And because he had done all this damage, uh, they had I had to go under five months of hyperbaric oxygen because the wound would not heal. It wouldn't close up, so I had an open wound on my chest. So I went through hyperbaric oxygen, then found a wonderful surgeon that took the muscle from my back, mm -hmm. and she pulled it under my arm and put it over my boob and, mm -hmm. and made my own human band-aid yeah. after all the hyperbaric making you oxygenating. That was really fascinating. And the cutest thing was that I had a mole beauty mark on my back and it's on my boob. <laughs> <laughs> Only Sammy can find the positive in something like that. She's so excited that she now has a beauty mark. Um, and but, I had all women surgeons, yeah. all of them, all, all were women. I, yeah. That was so pleasing for me. So too. good. So yeah. good. Well, Sammy, you know, you obviously describe a very difficult journey and, you know, a heartbreaking journey of how, you know, something that you anticipated was going to be fixed ended up becoming not so and leading to a lot more pain and disability. And despite that, you continue to pursue uh, a solution. So oftentimes a patient will have a bad outcome and they'll think, you know what, this is it. I just have to live with it and there's nothing more I can do and you clearly didn't have that mindset, what does it take to come from something devastating and then finding hope? As much as a little mold that was on your back is now on there. Fascination of medicine that they could actually do that to me mm -hmm. instead of I, back, how many years ago it had been, I'd just be dead mm -hmm. and gone and I wouldn't get to enjoy my daughter and in life. And, so I don't know. Having the passion to live. Yeah, passion to live is an important thing. And I've always had that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and keeping an optimistic side to everything. Yeah, this is a good thing. So then tell us a little bit about what other kinds of health complications or conditions you've had that have given you... Well, that, that seemed to pause. have started a, a, a stampede of health problems for me. Uh, in the year 2000, oh, the fact is New Year's Eve going to 2000, my friends had dressed me up in a little skimpy nightie and I had just finished surgery the day before on my final implants for mm -hmm. my breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so they had put a hat on my head and I didn't even know they were there. And then <laughs> we celebrated the year 2000. They celebrated with me with new boobs and a new beginning. And it really did go well. And during that new beginning, I got feeling better. Uh, I decided that I could do something really good, so I started building the store that mm -hmm. I always dreamed of building. And 
I figured I didn't really have enough money to do it, but somehow, somehow I did do it. You know, so and I built a, a brand new store, and I'm really proud of that. And I think that helped me with my healing. It not only it did something else; it helped my daughter become a professional jeweler and not a professional horse trainer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what's really important about what you just said is that we have to have the power and the will to do more, right? So when people have a purpose, whether it's building a business, raising a family, surviving for the people in our life, that will to live because of passion and drive and a purpose is so much more powerful than any drug you can take. There are times where people have given up. They've given up on their life. They've given up. They don't have anything to look forward to or nothing to work towards. And even if they're perfectly healthy, they can wither away. And then you have somebody who is battling something that's life-threatening, who then has the power to say, look, I want to create something new. I don't have the money, don't have the resources, but I need to create this because this is my dream. And she's able to survive. That's that's a wonderful, powerful point that you're making. Yeah, it's uh, certainly served me well because... That was not an end to my medical journey. Yeah. <laughs> it just gave me a small break. And uh, then about oh, 2005, my hip started hurting. I'm in the retail business. I've been on my legs all of my life. I've either been wholesaling or retailing, and I've used my mouth and my legs a lot. So anyway, uh, I finally ended up having to have a hip operation on my left hip. They determined that my hip had worn out. And I was so naive, I thought, all right, and Stephanie too, okay, mom, we'll get through this and be just like a brand new, brand new hip. Yep. Just be ready to go again. Whoppo. So went through the surgery, did the, did the, uh, the recovery at that time, which was really hard and started walking again. Well, I never could walk straight. One leg was longer than the other, and I kept getting told, oh, it's going to grow into the other, and da-da-da. Well, it was kind of like, I think Dr. Patel said it was like getting a whiplash every time I took a step. Well, you can imagine the outcome of that. 2008, I had to replace my right hip. Mm -hmm. After never feeling good since 2006, I'd had pain. So we did this side, and my legs... I was recovering, which was harder yet, were a little bit more even. However, my back hurt really bad now. So <laughs> I get through trying to rehab a little bit on that hip, and they had to go in and do a surgery to the bottom of my back because I'd kind of worn it out and put that across like a little gold post. So we did all of those things. Got those through, and that's probably brought us up to... 2017, when I've still constantly was in pain, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sleeping, doing anything with not just like hip pain, but mm. just body pain. Mm. Well, long story short, the metal that was in my body, I, my body rejected it. I was allergic to the metal. And the left hip, which was the first one, must have been an easier metal. It hadn't disintegrated to the, the point that my right one had and because of the of the lack of someone predicting this i had it changed 
two times on my right side by the same doctor. He never bothered to say there was a very big piece of black in my leg. He sewed, he chose to sew me back up with another hip replacement. Well, that act cost, almost cost my leg because it infected, it ate my sciatica nerve, it ate my bone, a lot of my femur. So I went through oh, nine operations, I think, on this side. Each of the operations followed by four months or three months in bed because mm -hmm. you couldn't walk. They would, they'd take, took all the apparatus out, both sides. Mm -hmm. They had to take all the apparatus out of my body and obviously put something else in. Then they had to keep putting a, open it up again, putting a, a cleansing hip in it, then washing it out and then letting it do its thing and then opening it up again. It was just a, it, I don't know how, I'm not sure how I got through that. Uh, just thinking about the light, I think. I think <laughs> so, that's an important piece to talk about yeah. now is that sometimes things go wrong and you feel alone and you feel frustrated and you feel angry because the outcome wasn't, you know, wasn't as perfect as we hope. Um, and not only that, but it leaves you with other complications. So one procedure can lead to another body part failing and then having to fix that body part leading to chronic pain in, in other areas. And chronic pain can be so debilitating. Yes. And it can be mind numbing. And sometimes people lose the will to live because of that chronic pain that is constantly ensuing in their body. So Sammy, I, I, you know, again, I admire you because of all the multiple complications and surgeries and chronic pain, you still persevered. So you just said, you know, you, you know, obviously the light might have kept you going. What does it take to, to, to deal with chronic pain and still get up and put your makeup on, go outside and smile and volunteer and help other people and you know be the light in everyone else's life, which I know you are. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you something very personal about my attitude is uh, at the age of 34 I had my babies at the age of 36 I buried one and I had Stephanie my daughter left and I've always felt that there were two children there and I had to be here for her mm -hmm. so she has been my inspiration mm -hmm. to watch her grow and even though these things have put me in retirement earlier than I planned. However, my daughter was the most capable that you've ever seen, and she's taken the store to new heights, and I've been able to enjoy having a daughter instead of an employee because she worked for me or was in my store since she was a little baby, so she was always, you know, I was always her boss, mm -hmm. and I, she does try to boss me now, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, she, she, I've got it coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have a very lovely daughter who loves you very much, and you are blessed. But she's also equally blessed to have a mother like you that has role modeled what it's like for somebody to have so much adversity but still pull through, how much so much struggle and be knocked down so many times but still stand up and keep fighting and keep moving and. Uh, that in itself is a gift, so I'm sure she's very grateful for that. Yeah, I think a belief in God, and I think He leads you the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. So, Sammy, what would you tell people that might be listening to this who also are suffering from chronic illness or complication from a procedure? What would you tell them when it comes to your journey? They should they should find the the thing that makes them happy, and if they can't do it, they should think about doing it. 
if it's something within their realm once they get better, just to keep trying at it and doing something that makes you happy or gives you pleasure. Mm -hmm. And you've just got to think outside the chronic pain box. And it's a hard box to get out of some days. You know, and you tend to take too much a leave or at some point in my life, opioids, which I do not take anymore. But it, it, it's too easy to fall into that path too, yes. of just taking something to always feel better. Mm -hmm. And there's always a price for things that make you feel better, Yeah, it seems like. So, so what's the next step in your journey? What are you going to do? Gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> I'm still figuring that out too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm just hoping to spend some more time with my my daughter and her her little menagerie at Snuggle Farms. Yeah. And I'm now a pony grandma, and an official Snuggle Farm unicorn. Nice. Those are my positions in life. That's yeah, it. So. Be a unicorn, just like Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming today. Well, thank you for having me, Doctor yeah. Powell. I enjoyed it, and I hope. I can help someone find a bright spot in their bad day.